to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome back to An Adventure in History. I'm Alana Quila with Providence Seaside Hospital, here tonight with Mac Burns, Executive Director, Clatsop County Historical Society, and we have a very influential guest tonight. So I was going to say busy. Well, busy. She, she, Fun. She has to have at least like 12 hats, at least, that she drives around with in her car, I think. <laughs> and they're all in the car. Is that probably accurate? That's pretty accurate, yes. And you probably get a lot of miles, too. I do, I do. Yeah. So so, so what are, real? because we're going to get into it, but Seaside Museum, Coaster Theater, City Government. Yes. What else have I... The two important ones now are the Clatsop uh Citizen Review Board, Ooh. and the um, and I'm the Clatsop County representative on the Senior Advisory Council for the Northwest Senior and Disabilities. That's a mouthful. Yes. Good for that's, you. That's, that's two sides of a business card. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we have Tita Montero here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. You and I have been planning this now for a while. We have. We okay. have. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. But I actually first met you. You were at a Tongue Point Job Corps, weren't you? I was. I was the business and community liaison at Tongue Point Job Corps Center. Yeah, that's how... So. That goes back a ways. It for... does. 2007 to 15. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we, so we got a lot to cover, so we should get right to it. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> do, we, do we have anything else before we no. have any, anything to plug? Or... School's, com- I mean, school's rapidly coming to an end, folks, so just be prepared. For this school year. For this school year. Because, <laughs> you know, with COVID, yes. people might start getting scared. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's coming to an end again. <laughs> no. Everyone's going to be at home. No. <laughs> so, all right. So these are the uh, big history highlights of things that happen tomorrow. Uh, June 6th, as mm-hmm. always, you can can have this information for wagering or just to make new friends or... Water or cooler news. Water cooler news. Yeah. That's what we should call this. Nah, water cooler... Nah. N- yeah. We'll, we'll, um, we'll work on that title. Although I do have a funny story really fast. I was I was in the Flavel House carriage house doing the, the gift shop thing. And it was uh, last Saturday, a week ago. Pouring rain, Memorial Day weekend, kind of cold. And a guy comes in. And he looks a little confused. And usually that means that either somebody's looking for the bathroom, which is in the <laughs> basement of the carriage house, not on the main floor, or they're looking for the penny pincher machine because they've been down at the film museum and there's a sign because we didn't have enough space, so we put it up at the carriage house. So instead of saying, welcome to the Flavel House Museum, would you like to go through the house today? I greet him with, can I help you? And the guy says, yeah, I need, a, need to buy a bottle of water. And I say, I'm sorry, we don't sell water and he he lets out an expletive and he says who the heck doesn't sell bottled water and shakes his head and turns around and walks out oh no i don't know why it just made me laugh like <laughs> it made like you every laugh. place should sell water <laughs> every things public that make spa- you laugh <laughs> every public space should sell bottled water apparently <laughs> so. he thought you were the local convenience store apparently and i was i was the opposite i was the inconvenience store you were. yes <laughs> so. your wife understands and it would be one thing if it was like hot but it was like it was, it was like pouring. cold and rain. I mean, go outside and just look up and open your mouth. <laughs> so, and I didn't even he was, he 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 didn't storm out, but he turned around, and walked out briskly before I could even say, "There's a water fountain in the basement," hmm. and he was already gone. So oh, yeah. anyway, water cooler maybe. There you go, out. water cooler news. All right. Uh, so June sixth, eighteen forty four, the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA, formed uh, by George Williams in London. 
Okay. Hence giving the village people something to sing about. Yeah. I did not know that was the name. All these years. Really? I did. <laughs> what did you think YMCA stood for? Now that now I have no idea. <laughs> there we go. That makes me laugh. Yeah. That's better than a guy <laughs> looking for water. <laughs> Although there's a number of things like that that I've never like, oh yeah. I've that never thought what, about it until you said it. I didn't know what that it. stands for. All right. See, that's that's some brand branding that went too far. Yes. Because just YMCA, you don't know what it means. So. Well, there's probably reason why they dropped some of the... That could be. Yes. Like when, when Kentucky Fried Chicken tried to drop the fried and they were just KFC. Yep. Like we're not going to remember that it's fried <laughs> it's <still> chicken. Fried. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they changed it to like kitchen fresh chicken or oh. something for a while. That didn't work. Marketing geniuses that they were. Uh, 1865, William Quantrell is killed by Union soldiers. He wasn't a very good guy. Oh, okay. He, they, they were, there was a lot of very bloody killing going on. So. Oh. Uh, so good for Union soldiers. 1933, the first drive-in movie theater opens. Oh, oh wow. I know. I like this one, so I, I wrote down more on this one. Park-in theaters, the term a drive-in came to be widely used only later. Uh, so they were originally park-in theaters. Park-in. It almost sounds like a protest or something. Was the uh, brainchild of Richard Hollingshead, a movie fan and a sales manager at his father's company, Wiz Auto Products. Oh, fun. Well, that's uh, why. Drive-in. Ex- auto products. Exactly. It was all marketing. In Camden, New Jersey, uh, reportedly inspired by his mother's struggle to sit comfortably in traditional movie theater seats, Hollingshead came up with the idea of an open-air theater where patrons watch movies in the comfort of their own automobiles. He experimented in the driveway of his own house. How <laughs> I wonder fun. how many cars he could park there. With different projection and sound techniques, mounting a 1928 Kodak projector on the hood of his car, pinning a screen to some trees and placing a radio behind the screen for sound. Uh, He also tested ways to guard against rain and other inclement weather and devised the ideal spacing arrangement for a number of cars so that all would have a view of the screen. He uh, received a patent for the concept in May of 33 and opened park-in theaters uh, less than a month later with an initial investment of 30 grand. Wow. Advertising it as entertainment for the whole family, Hollingshead charged 25 cents per car and 25 cents per person. Wow. With no, so uh, with no group paying more than a dollar. Uh, and it caught on. I love it. I wish it would come back. See, Me too. Uh, see, I was, I was going yeah. to, I was guessing today that you, Alana, have never been to a drive-in movie theater. A real one. No, I have. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And I was guessing that, Tita, you I have. actually haven't. Wow, oh. I'm totally wrong. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Portland, so we had, there was a, there was a drive-in theater in Portland before it got torn down, the last one. Wow. Yeah. All right. So. See, I remember going to one a number of times as a kid, uh, and then I remember in Vermont, we saw one, and we took our daughter to it, and she did not understand the excitement of sitting in the car watching a Ryan. movie. It was, it was well beyond her. Okay. So well. one, one thing you oh, missed. No, right. oh, 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 you're still oh, going. Oh, oh, come okay. on. I got the big ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, you haven't even gotten to the highlight. So uh, let's see. 1965, the Rolling Stones released the single, Satisfaction. I can't get mm-hmm. no. 1971, the really big show, the Ed Sullivan Show, airs for the very last time. And then our history highlight of the day, it could be nothing else but 1944, D-Day, the Allies storm Normandy's coast. Uh, Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower gives the go-ahead for the largest amphibious military operation in history, Operation Overlord, the Allied invasion of northern France, commonly known as D-Day. Uh, 18,000 British and American parachutists were already on the ground. Hmm. An additional 13,000 aircraft were mobilized to provide air cover. 
In the invasion, uh, 6.30 a.m., the American troops start coming ashore at Utah and Omaha beaches. Uh, By day's end, 155,000 Allied troops, Americans, British, and Canadians. All right, Mm. Canadians. Uh, had successfully stormed Normandy's beaches. Some were easier than others. Oh, I'm sure. And and that's I've I've interviewed a number of people that were involved, but one of my most like just uh, heart wrenching. There was a guy that was, and I probably told this story before because it it made a huge impact on me. There was a guy that was a gunner on one of those landing vessels, and he said the first time they were coming towards, and you know he's looking down at all the guys are just standing there, twenty or thirty guys ready to when the front of the ship just plops open, run out. And as they're approaching, you could just hear ping, 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 ping of all the bullets bouncing off the front of the ship. Oh. And as they approach, the guys in the front suddenly realize this metal shield is about to drop. Yeah. And mm. the five of us in the front row, we're all going to be the first ones to go. Yeah. And he said, as that realization started, you know, nobody really tried to get out of the way. But yeah. he said, I couldn't look down anymore after the first time in and realizing that the five guys I'm looking down at are definitely dead. Next row, probably dead. Oh. And he said, I never even looked down after that. Yeah. And he probably made something like 20, 20 landings. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, but how horrible either. is that? Yeah. I mean, you already know it's dangerous, but to know right? there's no chance I'm surviving. Yeah. So. A lot of loss. A lot of yeah. loss. So D-Day. Um, another big one you did forget was um, a birthday, 1939, Marion Wright Edelman. She's the first African-American woman to be admitted to the Mississippi Bar, but she's also the founder of the Children's Defense Fund. Ooh. It's a mm-hmm. huge organization. Or the you CDF. Know. I never knew what that stood for. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Came out of, you know, civil rights movement. Well, um, and, and yeah, so uh, she worked for Dr. Martin Luther King. She was uh, counsel for him, you know, really had her, a whole career in civil liberties and focusing on children's rights. Wow, I shouldn't have missed that one. I know. It's that's, a good that's one. impressive. She's cool. Yeah. I like that. We have another impressive woman here today. We you do. have two impressive women <laughs> here today. <laughs> I was about to say, no, wait a minute. <laughs> that was a heck of a good segue. That was a good segue. Tina, so, thanks so, for being here. Well, thank you. It's, yeah. it's wonderful that you asked me. I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. I know. So, so everybody already probably knows you because you truly are everywhere. But who are you? How did you come to be here? Yeah. Well, I'm a city councilor in the city of Seaside. I've been a councilor since 2010. And um, I came to be in Seaside because I grew up uh, from the age of 10 on camping at Fort Stevens with my family and uh, clamming on the Seaside beaches. And in 2002, when I decided to leave my job that I had then, Um, I came to Seaside for a bit of a respite, and on the way here, um, what came to mind for me, and I can remember it uh, vividly because it really grabbed me bodily, was the thought that you've always wanted to move to Seaside. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Mm. And I had a beautiful home that I loved and I hadn't lived in very long in Muckleteo, but I believe that things happen when they're supposed to happen. And so I just opened myself up to that and and said, you know, I'm going to spend my two weeks here. We'll see what happens. By the time, and my brother had bought the Cornette building, and he asked me to project manage the refurbishment of that. It had been closed for many, many years. It's on holiday and just off Broadway. 
And so during those two weeks, I ended up uh, putting money down on a house, putting <laughs> money down on a lot, and returning to Mukilteo, putting my condo on the market, which sold in one day. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and sort of the rest is history <laughs> coming to Seaside. So you did this with no job already in place for here? No job at all. Wow. Now, what happened was that the real estate agent that I was working with, as I was um, working in the Cornette, and, and he had sold the Cornette to my brother, um, I was talking, I had talked about uh, my dream to have a fabric store. Well, I think it was like April 18th of 2002, on the front page of the Daily Astorian, here is a, a picture of the front of the cornet with um, fabric store coming to town. <sighs> and um, all I could think of was, my sister-in-law is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> because I had not said that to him. Mm -hmm. um, I had just expressed that maybe someday in the future I might want to have one. Well, um, <laughs> that made Montero Sisters Fabrics and Creative Inspiration come to life. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and we opened August of that same year. Amazing. So I, um, my first official day in Seaside was July 3rd. We opened the store August 28th. So you can tell I had a really busy year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. yes. That's incredible. Well, backing up because you glossed over it so darn fast. Where were you vis Where was your family visiting from, and why? Why did they always vacation for Stevens? What, yeah. what was well, the draw there? What, we lived what? in Seattle. We we moved to Seattle when I was ten years old, and um, so my parents liked to camp. Uh, when you have six kids in a family, you don't do anything that's really expensive, and uh, so we started off. I remember with the tent. And then the tent grew to a tent trailer. And then it grew to a small trailer with a tent. And, um, but they, when they discovered Fort Stevens, that became the only place we would go. Oh, and um, uh, to this day, I, I love Fort Stevens. So what did you like about it as a kid? What, yeah. what, was, what were the activities and what was the draw for you? Well, I had to really like Fort Stevens because... To this day, I hate camping. <laughs> I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Uh, but Fort Stevens, I mean, it had the ocean. It had the Peter Iredale, Coffinberry Lake, that hill that we could walk up and then just almost tumble down. Um, so, and my mother... <laughs> My mother would always have us try different things. We ate salal berries. She made salal jam over the open fire. Mm. Of course, we uh, got uh, we picked crabs off the beach. Um, that was illegal then. Mm. And um, we dug clams. And I was the one designated to clean all the uh -huh. clams. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am too. <laughs> That's but funny. I still love clams. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so Seattle. So so from Seattle then, um, did you stay in the Northwest from that time before? Well, I was actually born in D.C. Okay. And um, my parents adopted six kids. Oh I was goodness. one of two children adopted from St. Anne's home. My older brother was adopted prior to me, of course. 
Um, and then my father was, uh, he first worked for the, um, the veterans and um, administration. But then, uh, and we moved to San Diego. The first memories I have are probably of San Diego. Um, he, we were transferred at one point in the middle of the winter from San Diego to Denver, Colorado. Ooh. That did not last very long for our family. And um, so he ended up working for the American Red Cross. And most people don't know that the Red Cross also has what they call field directors on many bases um, in Europe and to help the families and to help people with what's going on in the States and get them emergency leave and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we went to England when I was seven years old. And uh, we lived there for three years on an Air Force base, Lake and Heath Air Force Base. Um, I went only to British schools. And um, I remember begging my parents to go to boarding school because my <laughs> brother had gone to boarding school. And I remember, you don't love me as much as you love him. Oh. Um, I ended up getting to go to boarding school and hated it. Oh. <laughs> but um, I stayed two terms. I was the only American in this totally British, and I was quite the little troublemaker. <laughs> I know people can't believe that. <laughs> but Breaking I, news here yes. on Adventure in History. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when I was 10, Dad got transferred to Seattle, and his um, life work at that be with the Red Cross became helping... Um, military retirees or military veterans obtain their service-connected disability payments uh, to file for service-connected disabilities, getting them approved, and the reimbursement. Um, little did we know as kids, I didn't know this until after my father died, that he actually had a service-connected disability himself. But um, that became his life's work then. And um, when I uh, had my, my last position at, in Seattle was um, I was the um, assistant vice president, I was the vice president for federal affairs at a place called Pacific Medical Clinics. And I ran and managed a multi-million dollar contract with the Department of Defense to provide a healthcare plan and healthcare system for um, military retirees and their families and active duty families. So in a way, I felt I was carrying on my father's work. I love that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and, and certainly with the Red Cross as well, there's certainly, you certainly are kind of followed your father's example yes, in I always did. trying to help people in whatever position you've been in, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, um, I know my brother lives in Seaside also, my brother Bill, and both of us have that, uh, that gene, I guess you'd mm -hmm. call it. Well, and it's yes. a commitment to service. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, when did you realize that that bug was in you to sort of mm -hmm. to do good and to be out there and, and impact your community? Well, part of it has to come from um, my belief that um, I always have to give back. I've been lucky in everything I've gotten. Um, yes, I've worked hard for things, but um, there are many things I wouldn't have if things went a different way. Um, I believe there are forks in our roads. And so 
um, even when I when I was with um, admitting departments in in the hospitals, I um, became a, a very very active in pro, uh, professional associations, and it was a way for me to give back to my profession. I was not involved in the communities at all, really, when I lived in Seattle. Seattle's so big, and and I really didn't think of that kind of thing until I moved to Seaside. And I remember at a Seaside Downtown Association meeting where we were talking about what would we decide to have as the new garbage receptacles mm-hmm. along Broadway in Seaside. And it suddenly hit me that, my God, we can be involved more in our community. Um, I also, I, I believe in, in giving back. And I believe that um, what you receive, you must pass on. So um, at that point, I became active in uh, the downtown association. I became active in the chamber. And um, from there, it's every place I went, every job I had, every uh, nook and cranny of of the community that I got involved with, I felt um, I need to volunteer. I need to give something back. And the, the best way for me to volunteer has been to be on boards and help guide organizations. So um, I was on the Clatsop Behavioral Board for some years. I um, I was on the I've been on the museum board. I'm no longer on that. I I gave it up just this last month um, oh because um, I also believe in you. If you stay someplace too long, um, you become entrenched in some things, and so everybody needs to mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You make your contribution and move on. And um, so that's why I'm now doing the Clatsop, uh, the Citizen Review Board. Many people don't know about the Citizen yeah, Review t- Board. Yeah, tell me more about it because yes. I, I have no idea what that Well, is. I was on the CASA board for a number of years. And being a member of the CASA board, I went to a a meeting of the Citizen Review Board. Once a month, the Citizen Review Board reviews cases of children who are in foster care. And their responsibility is to make sure that the children are being served well by the Department of Health uh, Health and Human Services, ODHS as we call them, that their cases are... Um, getting the the attention they need, the parents are getting what they need in terms of assistance to to get the children back. Mm-hmm. In Oregon, the plan is always reunification of a family when the children have been removed. Most of the time, that can happen. Sometimes it can't. So the Citizens Review Board oversees those cases, and every Every foster care case must be reviewed at least once every six months. Hmm. This is a position and a group that is actually under the Oregon Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. And my appointment actually had to come from the, uh, the 
justice. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. this. Yes. I did not know about this. Yeah. Most yeah. people do not know about it. And um, so, uh, so I, this last month, we reviewed four cases. Mm-hmm. The month before that, five cases. That's I fabulous. imagine it's it's either or both extremes, heart wrenching and heartwarming, depending on the case and yes. what you have to recommend or what you have to right. Deal with. And our recommendations, we have ten findings that we have to go through for every case. Um, and the when it's heartwarming, um, I remember two little boys, and they were going to be adopted by their resource family. You don't call them foster parents anymore. It's resource family. Who do? Yeah, okay. and um, and the the resource family was so happy, and the little boys they we did everything by Zoom, and um, I could see that they were happy little children. Now the sad part is, of course that they're being taken from biological parents, but biological parents who cannot take care of them properly. But they are getting a set of parents that um, are really going to take very good care and are looking so much into what they can do for these children. I love this. And part of this for me, I will be very honest, is the fact that I'm adopted. Yeah. Mm. And so, so that's part of what makes it very important for me. Is yeah. this your first time um, being part of an organization like that? Because I mean, you you were adopted obviously a long time ago. Um, have that's a that's a big yeah. connection to me. Right, right. It um, yes, it is. I mean, I think that's why I got involved in Casa to mm-hmm. begin with, and um, then this progression. Yes, it, it's part of it is is the fact that I'm adopted. And that yeah. you've got the experience in yeah. it was done well, I'm assuming. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. you were glad oh, you were obviously. adopted by the parents yes, who were adopted yes, by. Yes, definitely. And that this was a win. This was a, oh, a good situation. Absolutely. So, so that you can be part of helping to make that for the next generation, right. next round is, right. is wonderful. Yeah. Well, this is, yeah, I love those. See, I love yeah. learning things about folks in public service because we <laughs> do know a lot about you. And like Max said, if you don't know Tita, you know, where are you? Um, but sometimes there are organizations like this that exist and they exist on the periphery, periphery but they're so important because you take that huge advocacy role um, that does need to be sort of shouted and and, um, those children need that. So thank you for doing that service. And one of the things that's nice to see, of course, um, we get reports from different organizations, from the the foster parents, excuse me, resource family. (laughs) We get them from uh, ODHS, but we also get reports from CASA on the children. So it's really nice to have made that full circle. Mm. And I was told that the judges really value the reports that the CASA makes, and I can see why. They are the best reports we get. CASA really is an amazing organization. It is. Everything I've ever heard. But we've, we've got about a minute left. Uh, I want to make sure you're, you're part oh, of yes. something that's, yeah, that's not coming that, up. Not that that isn't fun, which right, you just talked about, right. but something that really is just off the charts oh, fun. You are part of Coaster Theater. I am. So tell us about that. Well, I'm, we got I'm on the board, but I'm also an actress, actor, I guess we call it. Um, and I've been on in several productions. And for this year, um, I am going to be in Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express, Ooh, which um, is from June, 
July 6th to August 6th. And I am the Princess Dragominov. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Yes. It is going to be good. I am, I'm going to have so much fun. And that's why today you see I've got these bright red nails and this bright red <laughs> lipstick. It's based in the 1930s. So I'm trying out, you know, oh. which reds for the 30s and, and that fabulous. kind of stuff. Thank you. So even if you're not on the Seaside Museum board yet, you are still really into history. And yes. you want to get that right. <laughs> that is right. You don't want somebody that's saying, right. that's not the right color. Yeah. They wouldn't have had yes. that yet. No, no. Yeah. no. It's matador red. For my for my uh, lipstick, perfect, nice, yes. perfect for you. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight, Tita. Have a good one. Thank you. Go make some mystery. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An adventure in history is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.